0: The information provided on this podcast does not, and is not intended to, constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general informational purposes only.
1: Welcome to Rights Here, Rights Now, the podcast about disability, advocacy, and activism. I'm your advocate host, Suzanne Herbst.
0: And I'm your advocate host, Ren Faszewski.
1: Every two weeks, we dig into relevant issues, current events, and avenues for self-advocacy. Because
0: someone has to. And it might as well be us. This podcast is produced by the Disability Law Center of Virginia, the Commonwealth's Protection and Advocacy Agency for Disability Rights. Find out more at dlcv.org.
1: Ren, we have a very exciting episode today. (gasps) I um,
0: love excited.
1: (laughs) It's better than not excited, I think. Yeah, like about ninety nine percent of the time, you know, it's the little things. It's the little things.
0: So tell me, tell me, why am I excited?
1: We have our executive director, Colleen Miller, on the podcast today, talking to us about the upcoming session of the Virginia General Assembly.
0: Ooh, oh, that this is gonna. This is definitely but both exciting and also a lot.
1: And that's my favorite thing. It's I think it's pretty on brand for Disability Law Center. Exciting and a lot. <laughs> um, for our listeners who just heard the words Virginia General Assembly and are like, I've heard of it, I don't really know what it is. You can go on back into our archives, check out episode three of our podcast where we talk again to Colleen Miller. Uh, about what is the Virginia General Assembly and what DLCV's role is when we go in there.
0: No, it's it definitely check out that. It's kind of a really good primer. We talked to her last year right before the session. So, you know, this year has been pretty, nothing really has happened. So I'm sure it's going to be sailing.
1: Pretty boring, run of the hmm. mill.
0: But before we jump into that, let's go ahead and check out Disability in the News
2: federal lawmakers have reinstated a popular medicaid program that helps people with disabilities move from institutions into the community the program is called money follows the person and it has been renewed for three years under the legislation that was approved in december this medicaid program gives states extra funds to provide employment housing and other services to allow people to transition from nursing homes and other institutions like state hospitals into homes in the community. Money follows the person officially expired in 2016, but since then it has been granted eight short-term extensions, but money still ran out across the country, leaving people to stay within institutions due to lack of funding. The renewal is committing $450 million annually to the program through September 2023. The program also changed the amount of time a person has to be in an institution to qualify to transition into the community from 90 days to 60 days. The renewal came at the perfect time to get people out of the institutions during the pandemic into their homes and communities where they can be more safe and less exposed to the virus. Between 2008 and 2019, Money Follows the Person has helped over 100,000 people leave institutions and return back into their community.
1: All right. We are joined by our esteemed, as always, Executive Director, Colleen Miller. Colleen, thank you so much for joining us once again.
3: Thank you for having me. And we're
1: talking about you. This is your fourth time on the podcast.
3: Wow. I, I feel like so honored.
1: Well, it's like the the Saturday Night Live like Fifth Timers Club. We're gonna have to get you a jacket next time. <laughs> I, I look forward to that. I look we'll forward to get you. To that. Yeah, a nice podcast team. <laughs>
3: That's right. That's
1: right. So we are here talking about the General Assembly, the Virginia General Assembly, before it officially uh, starts up. Before this General Assembly session even begins, we've heard there was recently a special session. So there was. when was that? What happened?
3: So just to put that in a little bit of context, um, last year, the session ended uh, in early March of 2020. And shortly after that, of course, the COVID crisis really overtook everything. Um, at, at the end of the session, the uh, legislature had passed a two-year budget. And it in- included a lot of things that we were really happy about increased uh, permanent supportive housing, increased funding for waiver slots, a lot of things that we were really excited about. Um, and then March came and uh, everything ground to a-, a halt as far as the state's uh, economy was concerned. When the legislature came back in April to consider the uh, governor's amendments to the budget, There were a lot of things that um, the governor and the legislature simply put on hold to see how the economy was going to withstand the the COVID shutdowns. So um, following up on everything being put on hold, what the governor referred to as unallotted in the budget, um, following up on all of those things, the Senate reconvened in the late summer. Um, having a better idea of what the impact on the budget was going to be. Um, Initially, that session was supposed to just be to deal with the budget. But the other thing that happened this year uh, in the summer was uh, the explosion of race-related incidents and protests all across the state, all across the country. And so the legislature decided to expand the purpose of that special session to deal with uh, law enforcement reforms, as well as the budget. That special session lasted 85 days. It wasn't continuous. It was not like morning, noon, and night for 85 days because um, all of our legislators have other jobs. So they had to actually uh, take a day off here and there, or only do a meeting for an afternoon or something like that in order to maintain their other jobs. But it went a total of 85 days which is longer than any regular session. It's like twice the length of any regular session that we have. That just ended um, in early November, and now we're getting ready for the next session to start in January. So it seems like they don't
0: have much of a break if the session starts in January. Can you tell us if that's going to be a long session or a short session, and when exactly in January
3: does it start? Sure. Um, The session will begin um, under our constitution on the second Wednesday of January. So that will be Wednesday, January 13th. And also under the state constitution, the session lasts um, 30 days in an odd numbered year. Um, Usually what happens is that the legislature agrees to extend that 30-day session to 45 days. Um, In fact, every year since I've been working in the legislature, they have extended it to 45 days in the odd-numbered years. Um, But this year, uh, the word we're getting is that um, they will not be able to get a supermajority to agree to that extension and that they're going to stick to a 30-day session. Um, In part, that is because, uh, I think mostly, it's because um, both sessions are going to be, uh, the House and the Senate are both going to be meeting virtually. And that
1: answers a little bit of the next question that we have: those virtual meetings, which is obviously everyone is pretty familiar with how COVID has changed all of our lives. But how is COVID changing the way the General Assembly works this year? And even in addition to the
3: virtual meetings, what do you anticipate that to be like? Yeah. So the best we can do is is kind of look at what they did during the special session. Um, the Senate met at the Science Museum of Virginia, and they met in person. They met live and in person, um, but the public participation was limited to either um, virtual um, testimony or email testimony, sending in um, written testimony in advance. Uh, it, was, it, it did not go well. It was not smooth. Um, it's understandable why they were doing things the way they were, but it was really um, a very difficult schedule to keep track of. Um, because they were meeting in one room in the Science Museum, they had uh, successive committee meetings. So as soon as one committee would stop, the next committee would start, which meant that if you were uh, following the third committee meeting, you had to watch the first and second committee meetings because you wouldn't know otherwise when it was going to start or stop. So it was it was really uh, it was really rocky to uh, follow everything in the Senate. In the House side, they met entirely virtually. They did not have any in-person meetings at all, except for the initial one to adopt the meetings by virtual. And um, they were able to have uh, simultaneous committee meetings. Uh, It was reduced. I think they could only have two committee meetings at the same time. Um, But they also, because they were not traveling to these meetings, they were also able to spread them out more than the Senate was able to do. So that's what we expect is going to happen this year. We hope that they've worked out some of the kinks. Um, Giving testimony uh, via Zoom or via um, whatever technology they have was not smooth, was not easy. Um, Oftentimes, as they were having trouble connecting with the member of the public who was speaking, um, the committee assumed that that person was no longer there. And so they moved on to the next speaker before the first speaker had even gotten connected. And it it was rocky. I'm hoping that they've worked out a lot of the kinks uh, before we head into this in January.
0: Yeah, I think that's one thing that we're all learning is trying to uh, get through these growing pains, as it were. Um, Of course, you know, part of DLCV is that we have a certain point of view as, you know, the Protection and Advocacy Agency for folks with disabilities. So in regards to this next session, what is DLCV going to be focusing on and is particularly interested in?
3: So as part of our mandate under our federal grants, it's our responsibility to educate policymakers about the implications of decisions that they're considering. So we try to be aware of absolutely every single bill that deals with an issue concerning people with disabilities um, or that has the potential to impact. With disabilities, and that's a lot. We, uh, in the past session, we actively followed about sixty-five or seventy different bills. Um, hopefully, it'll be fewer this year because they've got very strict limitations on how many bills they can submit. But um, we we really try to look for absolutely anything that could have an impact on people with disabilities, and try to help the legislators understand. Um, what that means for people with disabilities. Sometimes they have considered a piece of legislation that um, they hadn't really thought about what it means to somebody who uses assistive technology, uh, somebody who uses mobility assistance, um, somebody who might be deaf or blind, they just sometimes don't even think about how those uh, general things could impact them. So first and foremost, that's what we do. We, We look at everything that they're working on and try to figure out Um, Is there an impact on people with disabilities? This year in particular, um, we are going to be aggressively pursuing three pieces of uh, legislative reform that build on work that we have been doing. The first of them deals with our uh, surveying of polling places that we have done. in The last three elections, two general elections and primary election, We've surveyed somewhere around 600 polling places and uh, have found a phenomenal number. In the spring, 90% of the places that we went to did not have adequate curbside voting. This time around some of the places uh, that we visited in November, um, some of the polling officials told us they actually like to uh, keep curbside voting a secret. They don't really want people to know about it. So we are going to seek some legislation to put the obligation on polling places to actually um, post a notice of how to activate your right to vote curbside. Some, some places do it well already. Some places actually post signs and cell phone numbers and or have staff stationed out in the parking lot to help you with it. Um, we want that to be uniform across the state. Another thing that we are going to be looking at is to increase the protections in our state Human Rights Act for people with disabilities to be free from discrimination in employment. Uh, Last year, the legislature expanded the Human Rights Act to cover a lot of uh, other categories for protection from employment discrimination, but they neglected to include disability in that. So uh, we're working together with the attorney general's office to try to uh, remedy that um, deletion, that omission from last year. And then the third piece that we're looking at um, affirmatively on our part is to get access to community incident reports, reports filed by community providers who are licensed by the Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Services, um, when they allege potential abuse or neglect. We typically get those reports when they concern uh, what are called serious incidents, which are medical incidents, Uh, involving people in community services, but we would like the rest of the incident reporting system, which would give us information about allegations of abuse and neglect, and uh, we're seeking a code change um, to give us access to those reports.
1: So that is, those are three really big things that we're running after this year. So what are, you know, with that, or even aside from that, what are your hopes and dreams for this session this likely to be shortened session (laughs) this coming year
3: well one of the uh nightmares that i have about this session is uh, i've been told by members of the legislature that we should expect the session will start uh most mornings at seven o'clock in the morning and run until eight or eight or nine o'clock at night um and so uh i guess i have a hope and dream of one day getting a good night's rest um but um, we, are, we are absolutely going to be excited to see some of the um, programs that were cut out of last year's budget hopefully being restored, particularly some better funding for permanent supportive housing, which um, really matters to our uh, clients with significant mental illness who need that kind of support, and hopefully seeing an increase in funding for developmental disability waiver slots. Uh, Medicaid waiver slots. Um, so those are those are some of the budget items we're going to be looking at. We have, we've always been looking for increased funding for services for people with traumatic brain injury. Um, we've already kind of gotten the word that that's not going to be included in the governor's budget. So it's possible that some legislators will put in amendments to increase that funding. And if they do, we will absolutely help to support that. There's gonna be a lot of discussion uh, uh, still in this session about police reforms. And we will be looking for those we are particularly interested in how those police reforms affect people with mental illness and their encounters with law enforcement, people with autism or communication barriers and their interaction with law enforcement, um, and also the use of law enforcement at, at school settings which um, is a very dangerous and problematic um, thing that we do here in Virginia.
0: Well, I also totally agree with wanting a good night's sleep as well as all of those wonderful things that we're really gonna be rooting for. So um, clearly we have a lot of ideals that we wanna pursue. I did wanna ask about uh, this last November, which was kind of hectic. A lot of things (laughs) happened. Um, did the election in November really change anything about this session or what our plans are for DLCV's involvement in this session?
3: You know, I don't think that the, the national election had much of an impact on uh, Virginia's legislature. We elect our governor in Virginia one year after the presidential election each year. So there will be an active governor's race that has really already begun. That is likely to have an impact on the upcoming session as um, several of the candidates for governor are in the legislature, and they will undoubtedly use this session to strengthen their own political base, their own political platform. We elect uh, the House of Delegates a year and a half, a year ago, we elected uh, an entire new House of Delegates, an entire new Senate. Um, and so this coming November, the House of Delegates will be up again. Um, but, but in this November, there was really no significant change to the uh, to the legislature or to the executive branch. So thank
1: you so much. All of our listeners are now prepped and ready for this general assembly session, perhaps even more so than you are, Colleen, at least emotionally
3: and mentally. <laughs> if I could, um, if I could just uh, ask our listeners um, to follow us during the legislative session. We have a, an active Twitter account where we uh, let people know what's going on with the legislature um, frequently with pictures and other fun things like that. Um, and so so get on our Twitter account and uh, follow us that way. We every day do uh, legislative highlights, legislative updates, um, usually around a particular subject matter. So one day we might talk about um, ADA issues, the next day it might be he- mental health issues, but we try to keep our constituents informed about what the legislature is doing um, on, a, on a daily basis, sometimes twice a day, if it's a really busy session. Um, So, so please get on our website, get on our Facebook page, uh, get on our Twitter and um, follow what's going on as it affects people with disabilities in the legislature.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for letting us, letting us know how we can follow that. Thank you for being here today. Thank you in advance for your 13 hour days that are going to be coming up. We hope for sleep for you.
3: (laughs) I always, uh, I always take a week and go skiing when the session is over. So I'm already looking forward to that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Just crossing the days off on the that's calendar. Right. You'll work right. really hard during the General Assembly, and then it's
0: time
3: and for that's skiing. ski really hard, right.
0: right? Yeah, work hard, play hard. That is the DLCV way.
1: That is exactly right. And now, a DLCV highlight.
2: DLC received a critical incident report from a state psychiatric facility regarding Mr. K's death after he fell out of bed. DLCV requested to review the records and discovered that while the facility had done an internal investigation and found that staff had not complied with the doctor's orders for fall precautions, the facility had not conducted an abuse and neglect investigation into the incident. DLCV filed a human rights complaint on Mr. K's behalf alleging neglect. The facility followed up on the complaint and their investigation concluded that Mr. K's rights had been violated and substantiated neglect. As a result, the facility revised their policies regarding fall precautions, retrained all staff and initiated new policies to ensure that such an incident wouldn't happen again.
0: So thanks again to the esteemed Colleen Miller for coming on down and talking to us about the General Assembly. She was fabulous, as always.
1: As always. And she's so knowledgeable. I don't think there's, there are few people better to talk to about the Virginia General Assembly than her. So we are always grateful to not only have her as our executive director, but to have her right down the hall.
0: And for any of our listeners who want to follow up um, with DLCV during the session, um, you know, we're gonna, we're on Twitter and we're gonna put all the links in the show notes so you can make sure to be involved in the community and involved in disability advocacy at the General Assembly.
1: And I'm sure some of our listeners at this point are probably thinking, you want me to focus more on politics? that's what you want from me, but always keep an eye on this stuff. It's going to be a really interesting session and we are very excited about it.
0: Absolutely.
1: Thank you all for listening to this episode of Rights Here, Rights Now, brought to you by the Disability Law Center of Virginia. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review.
0: If you need assistance or want more information about DLCV and what we do, you can visit us online at dlcv.org.
1: Follow us on Twitter at DisabilityLawVA and share us with your friends.
0: We also have a Facebook. That is Disability Law Center of Virginia. And we do all sorts of postings on there as well.
1: Until next time, I'm Suzanne Herbst.
0: And I'm Ren Fazuski, and this has been Right's Here.
1: Right's Now.